Good evening, everyone. A uh, very warm welcome to you. Uh, as we engage with culture, um, uh, you may have to do a little bit of heavy lifting this evening, um, but I'm sure it'll be, I do pray it's a, it's a helpful session tonight as we think about how to, to live our lives in the world uh, as Christians, uh, living in the world, but not, but not of the world. And now as we think about our time together, we want to think about how we live for the Lord Jesus, that we would live truly lives changed by Christ. And to that end, we want to live for and think through what it means to live for Christ in every context, in every part of life in which we live. And so let me pray as we ask for the Lord's help in doing that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time to come together this evening just to think through how we might live for you in every way, how we would engage thoughtfully, how we would think critically of the world in which we live. And we pray for your help as we seek to live for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're sitting there, uh, my idea was to have you in groups of around three, maximum four, uh, just to be able to discuss. Uh, you'll eventually discuss a, a topic, and so you're in, in groups there. Obviously, some in big tables, some in small, but uh, hope, you're, hope you like the person beside you. <laughs> if not, you know, pray for them. Pray for yourself. So as we, um, as we engage with culture, I, th- I thought it would be helpful just to give you some resources straight off the bat. Um, the first, first one, uh, which I listen to from time to time, uh, Gospel in Life, which is a, a podcast by Tim Keller, uh, really helpful in engaging with culture in a very winsome way. Um, I've, really, I've listened to a lot of that, and it's been very formational stuff. It's in your booklet there, as you'll see. Secondly, another podcast called Core Christianity. This is a, it's kind of a, a phone-in. Um, it's in the U.S., so they have specific questions from the U.S., which they always ask. Um, but uh, it's very, very helpful, I think, in just thinking through uh, how we respond to things uh, culturally based on the Bible. Um, so, so that's two resources, two podcasts. A book, uh, one called The Air We Breathe by Glenn Scrivener. Um, I've read this recently. Uh, It touches on seven points in culture, why we believe the things that we believe, and often the reason is because of Christianity. Um, So it's a very good book to engage with culture. One which is a little bit more in-depth, perhaps philosophical, is a a book by Carl Truman called uh, uh, Strange New World. It's kind of the abbreviated version of his big tome, so it's a little bit easier to read, although it is a bit more philosophical, talking about uh, Freud and Nietzsche and people like that. So that's a, a helpful resource nonetheless. And then lastly, uh, one called, Un, uh, called sorry, Plugged In by, by Dan Strange. Um, uh, Dan Strange, he, he taught me in seminary and uh, really, really helpful in engaging with culture. Uh, some of, to be honest, some of the best stuff which we studied was under this topic. Um, and so perhaps one, one question which pops out when we talk about culture is, well, what is culture? I wonder what your, your definition might be. Um, culture, you, you might say, is the influence and, and power of stories. And in some way, we have all come from somewhere and we're all trying to make sense of life. We're trying to make sense of life through the stories, through the experiences that we've had, where we've been, where we're going. Uh, Dan Strange, he gives culture this definition. He says, culture is the stories we tell that express meaning about the world. Culture is the stories we tell that express meaning about the world. 
Culture is really how we live our lives and how we establish some kind of identity, meaning, and purpose through all the things that we're involved in. If you like, that's the richness of culture. One other question is, why would we engage with culture? Why would we engage with it? Firstly, we have no choice. As the book title goes, it's the air we breathe. It is the water that we swim in. We are all engaged in culture in some form. Secondly, we engage with it because we care about following Jesus. We want to know how we navigate through the world in the culture, in the society, in the world that we live in, both in the goodness and in the things which are ungodly. We want to know how to follow Jesus in the culture. And thirdly, well, we care about telling others about Jesus. And when we engage with culture and do it really well, then we can see how actually many things in culture do point to Jesus. And as they point to Jesus, we can point other people to Jesus through the things in culture. So we don't necessarily need to open the Bible with them, but we can point to Jesus through the things in culture, in everyday life. Because it, when it comes to culture, there are probably, probably three ways that we might respond to it. Probably three ways, I would suggest. But firstly, is that, is that we, we look in. Basically, that is to say that we put our fingers in our ears and we just hold on, praying that Jesus will come back. We might, uh, it's a kind of, if you know the, the flight, and f- flight and fight response, it is, in a sense, it's a kind of flight response that we just kind of ignore this wicked world in which we live and try in some way remain untouched by it and not be impacted by it. So that is to look in. Then we have to lash out. Maybe a phrase that you might hear people say is that the country's gone to the dogs. That would be one way in which we lash out. We might end up shouting at the TV as an advert comes on and it is so ungodly. It makes our blood boil. And so we end up just really angry. We might be seen as judgmental by people. We might be seen as uh, maybe cynical. We might turn more cynical towards the world and say, well, it's just fallen. Isn't it just, isn't it just a wicked world in which we live? That's one way to engage with it. And then thirdly, we look like. In response to not be seen to look as a Pharisee, to look like a Pharisee or be legalistic, well, we just want to go with the flow. We just want to go with the flow. We might think when we watch things, when we do things, when we say things, well, what is the harm? No one's getting hurt. We want to to stay relevant. We want to be liked by other people, especially those close to us. And in a way, it's just easier. It's just far easier to not make waves. I wonder, as as you look through that list, to, to look in, to lash out, or to look like, where do you where might you fall let me just give you two minutes just the people around your table just to quickly chat about where it is that you might tend to go look in lash out or look like two minutes go good stuff good stuff it's um it's quite a challenging question Quite a challenging question to, to answer. Maybe we go between, we go between different, uh, different numbers there, one, two, and three, to look in, to lash out, uh, to look like. Uh, as we start to engage with culture, 
It's good to think about it biblically. So I uh, just want to lay out a theological foundation. So four key texts, four key texts to look at. It might be helpful just if you've got a Bible, uh, if you've got a Bible there. Um, so firstly, we're, we're thinking about um, connecting with people, connecting with people. And firstly, we do that Genesis 1. Genesis 1, the image of God. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 27, says this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female he created them. Whether we, whether we are a believer or a non-believer, we all have the likeness, the image of God stitched and stamped into us. That is true of all of humanity. We are all made by God and made for God. We're made for relationship with God and we're made in his image to reflect his likeness. His likeness, that is his character. So if you think about what are his attributes or his character, you maybe think of love, justice, mercy, peace, goodness. We're made to reflect that because we're made in his image. And God reveals himself to us in who he has made us. And so he, he reveals himself in that way. That is a connection that we all share. Secondly, second text to look at, is Psalm 19, as God reveals himself in his creation. Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2, says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Perhaps when we stand at the top of a mountain or look at a sunset, we don't think to ourselves, wow, I am just amazing, am I not? That, that would be crazy. It'd be crazy to do that. Because in, in creation, we see something of the power of God. And that should lead us to awe, wonder, and worship of who God is. That should lead us to worship of God. However, by nature, we don't actually do that, despite the fact that he is speaking to us through creation. So in that sense, we have connection both in who we are made and who God has made us and the creation in which he has brought into being as well. So we have connection, but then we also have confronting, confronting with people's ideas of who God is. And then we go to, to Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 18 to 23. Connecting and confronting. Let me read from verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature, we have clearly seen being understood from what, he, from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and, uh, and birds and animals and reptiles. As you see there, as you look through the text, at the end of verse 20, Paul says people are without excuse without excuse of the knowledge of God. How is that that they are without excuse? Well, is it, as you look there in verse 20, it talks about God's eternal power and divine nature. Dan Strange, in his discussions in his books, he, he, he talks about God's eternal power, points to the fact that God is creator and that we are dependent upon him as the creator. And then in God's divine nature, it shows that we are made for relationship with this eternal God because we are accountable to our maker. And so we have the, the ideas or concepts of, if you like, of dependence and accountability. Dependence and accountability. We are dependent on God and accountable to God. But what do we do with this knowledge of God uh, well, verse 18, the, the wrath of God is being revealed. Notice present tense, wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth. What do we do by nature about the knowledge of God? It is that we suppress it. Uh, literally, the, the image of suppression, if you like, in this, in this verse is to, to press it down, to hold someone underwater, to choke out the truth of God. By nature, we suffocate and drown the truth of God. And you've seen that if you speak to someone about, about the Lord and you, you give a very clear answer to a, a, a question that they have and then they move the goalposts and move the goalposts and move the goalposts. Because they are suppressing the truth about God. They do not want to be accountable to him. And so they suppress the truth. And then what do they do? Verse 23. Well, they exchange the truth about God for a lie. And they instead worship idols. They turn to idols. Humans turn to idols to fulfill their needs. Dan Strange, he says that human beings are made in the image of God to be dependent on him and accountable to him. But we suppress the truth about him and substitute that for other things, namely idols. The point is that, that God is speaking to us, but we refuse to listen. We do put our fingers in our ears by nature as we run to idols to satisfy our deepest desires. So that is the fact that we suppress the truth. We confront people with the fact that they suppress the truth. And the fourth text is uh, Acts 17. Acts 17. I won't read it, but just as you look there in Acts 17, from verse uh, 16, it says that, that Paul was distressed as he saw the city was full of idols. There he is in, in Athens. The city is full of idols. And then as you look there in verse 22, it says he, he stood up and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. He connects with the people. He knows that we are made for worship. We're made to worship something. 
But the problem is the people don't know who they are worshipping. At one point it says to an unknown God. They do not know what they worship and yet we are made to worship something. And Paul, he engages with the people. He uses their culture to connect with them. As it says in verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. He's using their cultural texts, their philosophers and poets to point to the fact that we are dependent on God as the one who has made us and we are accountable to him for relationship with him. And therefore, he goes on to say, well, we must respond in light of the fact that, that Jesus is the creator, that he has died and has risen from the dead. He's now Lord and we are accountable to him. And so we must, in his words, repent and believe, trust in the Lord, turn from idols and trust in the Lord. Because without the revelation of Jesus, of to who he is to us, we are just fumbling around in the dark, looking for answers. As the song goes, looking for love in all the wrong places. We're just around, just stumbling around the dark. In one way, we, we want God. In another way, we don't want God. In one way, we love God. In another way, we hate God. Uh, we, because really, the, the idea is that we run to God and at the same time, we run from God. We want something, but we don't know what that is. Because we're too afraid to draw close to actually who God is. Because he is holy and we are not. We are sinful. And as a result, therefore, we throw ourselves, people throw themselves into idols. As Calvin says, our hearts are idol factories. That is, they just churn out one idol after the other. And so in that light, as we think about culture, people have a connection with who God is, but they also suppress the truth. And so there's a sense of which we have to confront that too. And so we have to ask, how, how do we engage with culture in not just a confrontational way, but a, a winsome way, a way which actually would, would lead them to see, ah, Jesus is actually the thing that I'm looking for. Well, can I suggest there are, there are five steps which uh, Ted uh, Turneau in his book, Popologetics, which is too big to read, but uh, I have read it and uh, it does go into some depth, but there are five really good steps which he covers and, and they're in your booklets there. The first one is, what's the story? The second is, where in the world am I? Thirdly, the good, that's the common grace. Fourthly, the bad, that's idols. And fifthly, the gospel. Tell me the good news. At the end of this, really, when we engage with culture, we want to be able to say, well, how is the gospel the best news? I don't want just a, just a tag on, but how actually is the thing in culture, how is it that Jesus fulfills that? completely and fully how is it that we can speak to people about the lord in such a way that they say wow that is amazing we do that firstly by looking at well, what's the story if you have your booklets there please do follow along the first thing we want to do is to listen 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 one of the things you hear about perhaps in uh, debates on tv they talk about straw man arguments we don't want to, to build an argument based on something that 
that someone actually doesn't believe. We do want to listen to understand what they believe truly, not what we think they believe. So to do that, we need to listen really well. We need to be charitable in our discussions with people, not just, oh, I think this, therefore that. No, we need to listen to people. Ask lots of questions. Just bombard it with questions. Maybe, perhaps if you've come back from the cinema, it's a good time to, as you drive back, ask questions to one another about about what you've just watched. And maybe with friends, maybe with family. And then you can talk about that with with non-believers as well. Thirdly, what what does it say? What is the story trying to tell me overall? What what is the story? Uh, We might might ask these questions. Who wrote it or created it? What's the context of it? Uh, What's the history of it? Maybe uh, when we, we listen to a, a song, like the Adele song, uh, Hello, you know, what, what is, what's going on in that? Um, <clears throat> we need a, a solid interpretation of the narrative. So what's the big sweeping story throughout that? We want to ask the question, what is the mood of it? Uh, is it love, anger, vengeance? Uh, we went to see, uh, some of us went to see uh, Requiem, Verdi's Requiem last night, and you can tell by the tone of the music that it is angry just by the start of it. And so you pick up immediately what is, what's really going on. Uh, other things, well, what, what's the big picture? What is the really big picture that it's laying out before us? What are some of the key things happening um, that we might be able to understand it well? So that's what's the story as we engage with something in culture. I'll get to, to some examples as well. Uh, where in the world am I is the second one. In this phase, we're, just, we're asking questions like, well, what kind of world is being presented to me? What kind of world is being presented to me? As we think about this, the, it's, the, it's the style and the shape. We, we want to ask, well, what kind of genre is this? It's like, is it, what kind of text is it? Is it film, music? What, what, what kind of narrative is it? Um, how does the beginning and the end um, set the world up? Um, sometimes you'll see that in, in, in very good movies. Um, Top Gun Maverick was a good movie, I thought. And it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, a story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. How does some movies, how do they have that? How do some movies not have that at all? What does that say about them? Uh, is there a key scene or a line in the movie or a text? Sometimes there is, in, in songs especially, there's generally a chorus something that's repeated, or in a movie there'll be one scene that says, this is the answer. Often, as you think about watching, as you think about things in culture, what, what is that? Key characters, how are they portrayed in the film? Um, and then what is the perfect world according to this? Some of them will, will actually kind of promote a picture of heaven, if you like. This is paradise. For some, for some movies, music, film, musicals, books, TV shows. But actually, some of them don't have a picture of him. They actually have no hope. Some of them just cut off. Death is the answer. There is no hope for some people. So that's just some things to think about. Where in the world am I? Thirdly, uh, looking at the good, common grace, that, that can be described as sunbeams. So it's, it's, it's the things that break through the darkness, the good things that are everywhere. The common grace is things like the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. So there's goodness in everything. 
And so as we think about that, we, we want to think about what is good, true, and beautiful. Again, just being as charitable as possible in things and culture. We must ask ourselves, how, how do we engage with that in a, a way which is winsome? We want to see what, what things are, are good, noble, and honorable. And you'll pick up big themes in this. Uh, themes such as love, justice, peace, mercy. Um, themes like family. Family comes up all the time friendship as well. Um, How do these themes connect to God's story? As you start to think through um, the thing that you're engaging with, maybe there'll be some scripture that comes to mind, there'll be some verses that you think, oh, that just, that makes me think of this, that makes me think of that, as you engage with it. What are some of these broader themes that, that that are popping out to you? So that's the good or the common grace, number three. Number four is the bad. That's the idols. The good and the bad. Uh, <clears throat> so this could be described as, as shadows. Shadows are, are like, they are just a, a shadow of the real thing. They're, they're not the true thing. An idol is, is fake. It is a fake of the real article. And so in, in engaging with culture, we want to we think, well, where is the, the half-truth or the false gospel that's being preached to me? What is, what is perverse, false, or ugly in this story? And how does this worldview twist God's good worldview? Sometimes in stories, they're really very good, and sometimes they, they do lift up something like family or love, but there is a sort of... Say, there is a point where it says, this is the answer. This is the thing that you're really looking for. And how does it lead us to worship something in creation rather than the creator? Because in all these things, it is, they are trying to, to lift up something to say, look, I've found the answer. This is what you really need. The best marketing things do that. They say, this is what you really want. This is what will satisfy your deepest desires. But in reality, whether we really believe that at the time or not, we, we do know that, that the idolatry doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. As Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold, hold water. What have the people done? Well, they have forsaken the spring of living water that brings life. Who is the spring of living water that brings us life? Jesus. John 4. He is the water that brings eternal life. They've forsaken him and instead have turned to broken wells. Wells that do not hold water and that lead to death. Because idolatry never satisfies. It promises the earth, but never delivers. And so we have to think, well, how does that then lead us to the gospel? How do we tell people, tell ourselves the good news? Maybe the questions we want to ask when we've looked at something in culture, discussed it with others, we think, well, where do I see glimmers of the gospel in that? Where do I see glimmers of Jesus in that, in that whole narrative that I'm looking at? How does the gospel specifically apply to this? Uh, maybe something on love, and there'll be things maybe in, in the Bible that you might think of, but how does it specifically apply uh, to this? 
And then we want to think about uh, God's big story in it. You know, what is, how, does, how does God's story tell a better story than what this is telling me? How does it tell me a better story? And lastly, uh, what is it about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, giving of his spirit that leads us to praise God? As you think about all of the life of Jesus, life, death, resurrection, giving of the spirit, how does that help us in applying the truth of the gospel to culture? And so those are the, the five points again. What's the story? Where in the world am I? The good, the bad, the gospel. So you have all the theory, and I've probably melted your heads, but that's okay. Um, so we're going to just look at an example. We're going to look at an example. I wonder, um, at risk of alienating my audience, uh, I chose something for younger people. Um, so if you don't know it, then hopefully you will by the end. Uh, does anyone know what Snapchat is? Set your hand up if you know what Snapchat is. <sighs> Sarv knows. Great. <laughs> okay. So Snapchat. Snapchat is a social media app. <clears throat> Snapchat is a social media app. So let me go through those five points as an example, and then I'll hand it to you. Okay. So firstly, Snapchat. What's the story about Snapchat? Well, some, from research, Snapchat was uh, created by Evan Spiegel, Bobby Murphy, and Reggie Brown, former students at Stanford University. They worked together for several months and launched Snapchat as Peekaboo in July 8, 2011. In looking at this, one of the principal features of Snapchat, the app, is that pictures and messages are usually only available privately for a short time before they become inaccessible to their recipients. So they're, they're, short, they're messages which are sent to people privately and only available for a short time. In one of their first blog posts in May 9th, 2012, the CEO of Even Spiegel, the CEO Even Spiegel, he described the company's mission saying this, Snapchat isn't about capturing the traditional Kodak moment, it's about communicating the full range of human emotion not just what appears to be pretty or perfect. It, says, it is, if you like, it seems that one of the big ideas of Snapchat is that they want people to share their most intimate moments with people without trying to be perfect. Authentic is the word which people use today. It's Snapchat, it doesn't want, it, 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 Snapchat, however, does not prevent screenshots from being taken. That is to say, people taking a copy of the photo or the video, the sender might know, but they won't have permission. And so even if, if they've sent something, the person can save it without the person's permission. And therefore, people can send videos which can be saved by other people, even if they don't want them to. Uh, on average, more than 4 billion snaps are sent each day. Snapchat is popular among younger generations, especially those under the age of 16. It causes some parental issues in terms of adult content for that reason. There were also, during lockdown, cases of adult porn stars using the app to make money through it. In July 2022, uh, the company reported that 347 million daily, uh, daily active users were part of it, and this increased from 
in the previous year. It has a successful uh, business model and takes advantage of the market. But does it take advantage of vulnerable people? Does it take advantage of children? Does it take advantage of women? It appears to be good if it's used for the right purpose. But it can also be used for other purposes. So that is what's the story of Snapchat. And secondly, where in the world am I? The world that Snapchat presents seems to say that to be able to be your true self, to be your authentic self, you should be able to to share a picture or video of yourself unspoiled with whoever you like uh, at whatever time you like. Historically, uh, the, the video or the picture would be, would be uh, available for 10 seconds, although that has been changed even up to, to a minute. Uh, the world of Snapchat seems to say that you can share a video of yourself in the most honest and raw way, and that is the best thing. That is, I think, the world in which Snapchat is. Where in the world am I? Number three, the good. What is the good, the common grace of Snapchat? Well, think about the goodness of God and what we, how we relate to God. Well, we are made for intimacy with people. We want to share our hearts. We want to share our lives with people, the people that we know, we love, and we trust because we're made for relationship. We're made for intimate relationship with God and with one another. We want to share that relationship and friendship with others in the most meaningful way possible. So that really is, I'd say, the good, the common grace, if you like. Then you have the bad, the idolatry. Well, the, the issue with Snapchat is that the app is made for people to share private pictures or videos. How do you know that people won't keep those pictures or those videos? How do you know that you, they won't use them against you? What will people do with them? Because the reality is that the app, it really has a history and a culture of what was called or what is called sexting. That is sending explicit pictures and videos of people to other people that would then disappear after 10 seconds. And the problem, the problem is that, that we want to reveal ourselves intimately with others. However, the 10 second limit shows that actually there's a sense in which it's taboo. It's, it's shameful in fully disclosing ourselves to someone else unchecked. We want to reveal who we are to other people, and yet at the same time, we're afraid to open up to them. We're perhaps even ashamed to do so. So that's the, the bad, that is the idolatry of Snapchat. So at this point, what is the good news? What is the gospel in Snapchat? How does the gospel tell a better story? Well, in Snapchat, it tells us that we can reveal ourselves fully to others without fault, without shame. And yet we know that's not true. Because really, in the beginning, we were able to be naked with the Lord and have no shame. But when we sinned, we we ran and hid from God. Adam and Eve, they hid from God and covered themselves with fig leaves until eventually God in his grace covered Adam and his wife with animal skins. This meant that an animal had to be sacrificed to cover their sin and their shame. But Jesus, 
Jesus, as the Lamb of God, he paid for our guilt, our sin, and our shame in full on the cross. And so that we're not covered with animal robes, we're covered with the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And in that light, I can come to God as I truly am. I can come and reveal myself fully to the Lord. In all my mess, in all my sin, I can come to God. I need not hold back because he loves me and he has made me righteous as I come to him clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? So that's the gospel according to Snapchat. I was going to do two others, but I ran out of time. Um, So now it's over to you. In your groups, I'll give you 20-ish minutes and uh, look at uh, some of these topics in your group. I'd love, love you to just pick one. Pick one from the list there and discuss it. Just go through those five steps, if you like. And as best as you can, in the time that you have, just work through it. Work through uh, those five, five parts. Uh, what's the story? Where in the world am I? The good, the bad, and the gospel. So we'll come back in 20 minutes. Go for it. Okay, let's come back together. Let's come back together. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to set my timer. Twenty minutes. We won't go over twenty minutes. Um, if I pause it, um, we're going to have. We'll try and get minimal one, possibly two. Maybe we'll see how we go in terms of responses uh, from this as we think this through again. Um, it's not to get the perfect answer, but just to think things through um, biblically that we'd be able to say, right, how do I think about this in light of the gospel? So, 20 minutes. Um, would, uh, would anyone like to, to volunteer? Uh, maybe we'll just, we'll just pick something that maybe a few people have got or something that you think, actually, I've got, I have a really clear understanding of it and I'd be able to, to share it. Or even if they don't, I'd just like to share it anyway. Um, uh, so, go. If anyone has a, uh, would like to be able to share one of the topics that they engage with, they'll be able to help others through it. Okay. So, what did you, what did you pick, Nathan? Uh, Black Lives Matter. Okay. What's the story of Black Lives Matter? Um, it was founded in 2013. We found that off the back of, um, I can't remember the name now, someone being acquitted for uh, a crime. So it was kind of to stand up for something that was seemingly unjust was kind of why it was founded. It's a global organisation, so US, UK, Canada. um, And I guess we read it on its own website, you know, its mission statement, as it were. And to summarise, in their words, they want to kind of stop violence, inequality, injustice towards the black community, but they also then want to empower the black community in terms of 
given them opportunity, given them uh, a chance to fully express themselves within culture. So it's kind of stop what's bad, but also empower what's good. Okay. Quite broad. Um, where in the world am I? Anything else in what's the story? Anything else in that? Go on. Um, it's Black Lives Matter. It's not... Um, so it's focused on that. Yeah. So, um, rightly or wrongly, people get lambasted if they say all lives matter because actually the Black Lives Matter campaign is about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So you can't appropriate it for something else. So, sure. so there is that singularity about it. Yeah. Which I think culturally is quite important. Okay. Or has been. Yeah. So that's what's the story. Uh, next, where's, where in the world am I of Black Lives Matter? We kind of just focused on that last question on the sheet of like, what is a perfect world according to this? Okay. That's the really question. So we basically summarized that of a perfect world would be a world of, of equality where there is respect and opportunity for all, okay. including a, the black community. Yeah. Okay. That's what we said. Um, so the third one, or did you skip that? The, the good? The good, yeah. Justice, equality, truth, change, a better world. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are the things we said. You know, it's good that that's what they're after. Yep. The bad. The bad. Um, potentially um, the use of the funding that's been used. So people have donated to it, but how is the money actually being used within the organization? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. definition of terms in terms of what they might mean a term to be might not be the commonly held view. Yep. Um, so it causes contention. There's, gl there's global differences. So it is a global organization, but what might be the context of America is different to the context of Canada, which is different to the context of the UK. But it's a lot of broad banners are painted across very different canvases, Sure, if that makes sense. Escalations. We've had we've had a discussion briefly about policing in the states mm. um, and some of the embedded racism potentially that's stronger or strongly more strongly mm. felt in America than perhaps it is here. Mm -hmm. So, so how easily translatable is mm -hmm. are some of these more generic mm -hmm. goals when actually it lands differently in the cultures? So, mm -hmm. which is quite important because you can escalate an issue mm -hmm. perhaps to a level that maybe isn't as appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, also, in terms of like an organization or um, people taking responsibility to make change when actually maybe the change is deeper yep. than a, a man solution. Sure. Um, and then lastly, the gospel. We talked about um, the kind of the word matters yep. of how. It's easy to kind of say what matters. It's harder to show what matters. And so the gospel's better in that Jesus, the perfect representation of he showed through his actions how much we, every person, matters to him because he's willing to die for them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a better story, not just kind of talk as cheap, Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter, but Jesus showing, mm -hmm. oh, you matter to me because I'll die for you. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we landed. Great. Anyone else that did Black Lives Matter that would add to it? Anyone else you want to add anything in? With, with the, you know, the building on what Nathan was saying with where the gospel is in it, yeah. that Jesus reached out to the marginalised yeah. and the Black Lives Matter movement is about the marginalised black communities being oppressed mm -hmm. by the rest of the world. But Jesus wouldn't have had that. He'd have gone straight in there and 
been friends with them and included them. Sure. Because the gospel is all inclusive. Yeah. Um, that in raising it as a specific cultural issue or race issue, there's a risk that it um, overly focuses on one particular need mm-hmm. and or identifies something that some people may not have recognised themselves or have been exposed to that so suddenly there's an awareness accelerated that actually race or culture is an issue and actually within home life or within the culture that we're presenting as Christians that actually you know we're all perfectly made and wonderfully Mm -hmm. made and therefore uh, why is a a race issue raised Mm -hmm. um, as a priority Mm -hmm. and that's not to say it's not important but there are consequences of doing that over and above a more generic um, kind of message that everybody's Mm -hmm. everybody matters accepting limitations I mean uh, anything else on Black Lives Matter from people I would add you know we think about image of God you know why do our lives matter we are all made in the image of God so people might say all lives matter and they say no 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 <laughs> and then, then you get into this discussion I'm sure you've had it um, but, it, but it is to say why do lives matter we are because we're made in the image of God uh, and then it lets you then talk about actually but we've all turned away from God haven't we 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 all actually, we, we do matter to God, but we've all turned our back on God. Um, and there's also the aspect of, of grouping of people as well. You know, we're, we're all for anti-racism, but then there's also the other things which are, I would say, ungodly, Marxism and what have you. And so sometimes when you talk about these things, people, you, you say one thing and people understand another. So I think it's quite helpful to be clear so that we are against racism, certainly, but other things we're not for, which, which embrace other ideas like defund the police and whatever else, which are just crazy. So, uh, but it's, it's leading people to see, actually, we, we matter because Jesus dies for us and that we might be able to engage in these matters ourselves. Good. Uh, one more. I think we've got time for one more. <laughs> Go on, James. Give us some... Uh, um, no, this, this is this is Home Alone. So <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the this is the, um, the opposite extreme. Lesson up, yep. Go for uh, it. So just uh, very briefly, what's the story? Um, I think this probably everybody knows. Uh, we, we were concentrating on Home Alone one. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. The first and the best. Yeah. So um, so basically, the story is that um, uh, an extended family are going on holiday together. Um, there's a fight between um, the, the Macaulay Culkin, the young boy, and his elder brother. Um, he gets kind of banished to his room, and um, everybody packs up. They're so engrossed about going on holiday that they all go off on holiday, and um, when they get off on holiday, they realise that they're left him behind. He's left behind in the house, and um, the baddies are trying to break into the house and steal things, and he's trying to prevent them from getting in. So basically, that's the kind of story. Um, kind of just, just some of the characterisation. Um, just you know, he, he, as a boy, he's pretty smart, he's resourceful, but he's also vulnerable, and he's in danger. Um, you know, that, that brother-sibling rivalry kind of situation, the mother who um, loves him dearly but has obviously forgotten about him but then becomes incredibly anxious about the fact that she's left him behind, uh, and the baddies who are selfish, um, uh, they, want, they want to gain at all costs, um, and once he starts fighting back, they want retribution. Mm. And they're pretty dumb as well. So mm. um, uh, just what, what is the good? Well, the good is that, you know, that, that kind of that love and concern that the mother has for the son... Mm. Um, the kind of the the fact that there was a somebody 
in this, who lived in the street who, who was, he thought was really creepy and sinister but actually found out in the end of the day that they were actually okay and they were, mm. they were a, a nice guy. Um, good defeats evil, um, justice um, prevails in the end, um, there's reconciliation, it all works out for good, so lots of good stuff. Uh, bad stuff, um, it, <laughs> these bad guys want to steal, they get very angry, there's a lot of violence on both sides, um, there's the desire for revenge. Um, there's this kind of self-absorbed family that don't notice that they've lost somebody when they've gone off on holiday together. Um, sibling rivalry, um, a degree of injustice um, because, you know, was he punished fairly uh, because it wasn't entirely just his fault for, for um, his fighting that, that meant he was sent to his room. Um, and then just kind of the gospel. I think some of the things we talked about were um, justice, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, there was justice in the end. Um, there, was, there was forgiveness, you know, forgiveness of the, of the mother and the family because they'd, they'd, they'd left him behind. Um, uh, there was um, rescue uh, and safety because, you know, in the end they came back and they, uh, and they kind of um, uh, they found him and, and reconciliation associated with that as well. Um, and there was a kind of a revelation because he obviously found that the person he thought was a bad person was actually a good person. So lots of potential pointers to mm-hmm. the gospel in terms of so um, rescue, safety, forgiveness, re- uh, revelation, mm-hmm. justice, lots of stuff. Okay. Anyone else do Home Alone? Anything else you would add to that? Anything else you... A bit of a family favourite, this film. So. It's, a fa- it's a family yeah, favourite. Yeah. It's a go-to. Christmas yeah. go-to. Yeah, lots of stuff, really. I mean, you know, the themes of the gospel are, are there. I mean, just one thing, we found that there's a scene in church, isn't there, where the, the man and the boy mm. have a discussion. There's humility there mm. on behalf of the man. He, he suddenly realizes that, you know, he can make this change, mm. but he's prompted by um, the boy to do so. So that's, that's quite a nice little touch, really being humble in, in the church there. Yeah. Um, the bad, you, you made a point about the, the pure child could not really overcome evil. Yeah. That's a bit unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's a sort of bad genre to mm-hmm. come out of the, um, the film. Bit of a half-truth there. Um, the gospel... I wrote down those specific... What was your thing? How does the gospel specifically apply here? So in in church, that scene in church, hearts were changed. So Mm. the boy and the man had a a coming together. And there Mm. was, as I say, that that scene about um, humility, Mm. um, trust as well came out Mm. there. And there was also the repentance of the mother, wasn't there, on the journey mm-hmm. as she made her way home, you know, from, from sort of desperation to um, trust of the men, if you like. Um, and yeah. anything else out of that? I can't remember what we specifically That's said. Good. That's anyway, good. It's, anyone it's, else? It's good stuff. Anything from Home Alone? Um, what, just as I'm thinking about Home Alone, I'm sure many of you will know the film. That's why I put it in. It's, it's quite familiar. You think I, I actually think of the the the, the story of the, the prodigal son in Home Alone, but Kevin has 
run away from home by staying at home. Um, he is, if you like, a combination of the older, older son, a younger son and older son. Um, and maybe the story, maybe as I think of it, is uh, he, um, he's, he's almost trying to find himself. You know, you remember that scene where he's bouncing on the bed, you know, like he's completely free. Oh no, this is the best. And then he realizes, actually it's not. It's awful. Um, and there's a scene, and there's a church scene, certainly. There's also the scene, remember where he makes his macaroni and cheese and he just says, um, he actually said, I think, Lord, I want my family back. He repents. Um, and, uh, and, and, that, and then his family come back and they embrace him. You also have the element of salvation with the neighbor, the older fellow. You remember him? He was quite scary. Again, it comes to the idea of who God is. God is this ogre and stand away from him. He's probably terrifying. Don't come close to him. Who's the man that saves Kevin? It's the neighbor. He smashes the bad guys over the head with a shovel. Boom, boom. (laughs) So he he is the one that crushes the serpent's head, you could say. Um, he's the one that delivers them from evil. We try and save ourselves. Kevin tried to save himself, didn't he? He couldn't do it. So the guy who was alien to him, who he thought was, a, was after him, actually saved him because he smashed his enemies over the head. And he was reconciled to his family that uh, he repented and his mum came back and said, I love you, son. Is that not the gospel, you know, in all its richness? There's also glimmers throughout. There's the element of repentance and reconciliation and all that. But you think of, you know, what, that really big, there's, there's, there's big scenes, there's really powerful scenes that are just rich in the gospel uh, that we long for as people, as human beings. So we have time for half of <laughs> We probably don't have time for one more. Quick Lion King, yeah. Speed Lion King, you've got three minutes. Okay, <laughs> Speed Lion King in three minutes. It's a story which we're all familiar with and love. Um, and it's um, about um, the lions. And um, the Lion King um, tries to rescue his son, who's made a bit of a mistake because he's been tricked by his bad, bad uncle. And his, uh, the Lion King dies. And then the, the young lion um, heads off um, and you've started the whole story with, with songs like The Circle of Life. Um, halfway through, you have, you've got the Kuma Natata song. And it's these two composing philosophies. One's about this kind of circle of life and everything being order and everything being good and everything being right. And then halfway through, it's the, actually, if bad things happen, don't worry about it. Just put them behind you, forget about it. And there's that moment when the young lioness Nala comes and she's horrified that um, Simba's actually adopted this kind of... She's kind of, where have you got that from? So you've got that story going on. You've got evil. You've got good and evil. Um, you've got the hyenas. You've got um, Scar. Um, so the, there's a lot going on. And, and, and you can think, well, actually, there's quite a biblical picture of good and evil there. Mm. But also you've got these kind of other philosophies um, so you've got the competing philosophies, and some of them is a bit like Buddhism. It's the circle of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got all of the kind of stuff going on that people are up there in the stars. Um, so you've got quite a mixture of worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 
the sort of with Lion King, you've got the end bit where order is restored, mm. family is restored, um, mm. the circle of life is restored. Mm and there's restoration mm. so there's lots and lots of kind of good themes in there and good stuff but you've also got kind of some slightly strange philosophies mm. which is a bit more kind of Buddhism mm-hmm. and everything like that so if we looked at the gospel we'd say you know there is a lion there is a king there's restoration mm. um, there's forgiveness there's um, evil being squashed mm. um, but you've also got the comparison with the circle of life and actually when we look at the gospel it's not about a circle of life it's actually about a progression to eternity mm. and good news forever mm. so there, there was lots that was being discussed in there in mm. the sort of goods the bads mm. um the positive philosophies mm. um but also stuff that you'd say well actually that's not quite right so yeah. that's that's kind of what we got out of it as a group that's great anyone else do the linking no I'm just thinking, um, uh, what's one of the songs in Lion King? Uh, you've got a circle of life. You've also got, I just can't wait to be king. Um, I mean, what does that make you think of? You know, we, we want to be king uh, of our lives, don't we? We want, to, we want to be the number one. We want to be the star of the show. Um, and in a sense, he does kind of get there at the end, doesn't he? It's that picture of like the circle of life, but also the sort of kingship, uh, rather than saying actually it's it's not us that deliver ourselves to be the king, but it's Jesus that makes us be the king. And on that, <laughs> great. Uh, before we before a close, um, just some things to take away so maybe if you watch a tv show if you listen to a song if you come back from the cinema some break and some some questions which are good questions to ask one another ask your children ask uh, yeah people that you talk to in the office and what have you what's the big what's the big story of that of that film of that show or what have you what are some of the good things what's true and what's half true as one phrase I use, uh, gospel glimmers, glimmers of the gospel. So we had, uh, from Home Alone, we're thinking about different things that were popping out of it. Um, so what are some of those? And lastly, what, is, what does God say? What does he say about it? Um, just some, some questions as you think about engaging with culture. Um, let me just pray to close. Uh, Father God, we thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you that that he is the best news, that he is the fulfillment of all things, that he leads us to life and life eternal. And we pray, Father, as we engage with things in culture, that we would think with gospel lenses, that we would think through everything that we engage with in light of all that you have done for us in him. And would you lead us and guide us by your spirit, that we would have the mind of Christ in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.